Welcome to democracyonthemove.org, a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its true principles of democracy. Content for this episode was recorded on Wednesday, September 15, 2021. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. Today we're talking with Jeff Ward, author of the book, So You Want to Win a Local Election. Jeff is an opinion columnist, a blogger, radio show host, campaign manager, and book author. He focuses on Illinois politics and has helped numerous candidates successfully run for local offices. In the private sector, Jeff spent 20 years consulting for major clients like Wrigley, Philips Electronics, Motorola, AT&T, and several others. That technical track provided him with the statistical and database foundation that helps his political candidate clients focus uh, focus on their audience and their constituency. So Jeff is here with us today to talk to us about his latest book, which consists of a long series of brutally honest words of advice that you should take (laughs) into consideration before running for political office. And uh, here at Democracy on the Move, we occasionally talk with candidates and current political office holders and Our conversation with Jeff should give you some appreciation for what these candidates go through on the road to becoming a politician. So, Jeff, having said all that, welcome to Democracy on the Move, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Dan. I really appreciate it. The only thing I enjoy more than interviewing people is being interviewed. And by the way, the brutally honest part, the reason I laughed, (laughs) I got to tell you, one of my, you know, my wife is a middle school math teacher. I like to think that living with me for what? 30 some years has prepared her for middle schoolers. <laughs> and, uh, and one of her, uh, you know, teacher friends, compatriots, who we both know, decided she was going to run for Congress and decided to buy my book. And um, uh, so in the middle of reading it, she called me laughing her ass off, saying, uh, hey, Jeff, you know, I, I, I just could not get past this line. I had to call you. Uh, the, the fact that you've only seen four or five movement candidates in your life, and I know you're not one because you're reading this book. And she, <laughs> that made me laugh out loud. It made my day. And by the way, Molly decided not to run on the basis of buying the book, which may well make it the best $100 she's ever spent. Yeah, I was going to say, in fact, I was going to bring that point up later on that uh, your book, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just jump right into it. Your book, it, it reads like almost, it's not a continuous narrative. It reads almost no. like a sort of a workbook with each section sort of broken off into uh, words of advice that all stand on their own. And in and, fact, and that, go, oh, sorry. No, go sorry. ahead. Go no, ahead. And that, that was the whole point, because part of the reason I wrote the book is I've forgotten more about elections than I remember. And now it's all here. You don't know how frequently I refer back to this book, particularly when it comes to nominating paperwork. I knew it all at one time, so that's the first thing. The second thing is if you read any book, I mean, if there's 110 page books out there that they they can't possibly tell you about campaigning. But if you read everything about campaigning all at once, it's overwhelming. I wrote, so you wanna win a local election in an outline format. So you could go to the page on, how do I determine a great message? A chapter, I mean, how do I determine a great message? If you live in the North, like I do around Chicago, you know, you can go to the subsection and it's right in the uh, table of contents, which is also in an outline format. And you can say, oh, here's how you get signs in frozen ground. I mean, the point of this book is you can avail yourself of whatever part of the campaign process you're in without having to read the entire thing. Yeah, You're dead on. 
Well, when we first talked a couple of weeks ago, I, I said that, that I was going to read your book uh, before going on the air. And I have to confess, I didn't get through the whole thing. Um, but your initial response pages. was, yeah. it, it's a big book. And your initial response was, you know, start with the table of contents and figure out what you want right. to read from there. And sure enough, that's very effective, you know, the way this book is written. Um, so with that in mind, I mean, can you talk about some of the people that read your book and how they worked it out into their own? You told us about about your, your, your teacher friend, but how about other people that have read your book and worked the concepts into their own campaigns? You know, I haven't, you know, I haven't sold, to be honest, I haven't sold that many copies. Um, I, you know, COVID got in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's nothing, this podcasts are phenomenal and I really enjoy doing them. But in order to sell books, your best bet is to get in front of groups of people. And we were just starting to get that ball rolling again. And Delta comes along. Don't get me started on, on a liberal, I'm a social liberal, who has certain thoughts about this plague. But, uh, you know, but I, and, and, but of the people who have read it, uh, and some helped me write it, um, the, the, the feedback has been universally good. The most interesting thing, though, um, along these lines is the former King County treasurer, Dave Rickert, who without him, the book would not nearly be what it is today. We had numerous conversations. At one point, you know, reading through the book at its finished uh, state, he goes, man, Jeff, aren't, aren't we afraid that this is going, to, all our secrets are going to be out, all our campaign secrets? And I go, nah, Nobody listens to anyone anymore. And that's the truth. I mean, it's funny. There are some people who will read this book and go, he's out of his mind, you know, but for the people who really want like Molly, uh, who really want to understand what they're getting into and are open to the possibility, it's quite effective. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, what knocked me out, what knocked me on my, on my backside initially when I, when I read the first section of your book, you talked about it sounded like you're trying to talk people out of running for office because, because you're really, you said, you know, get your ego out of the way. Um, I think you had an expression in your, in the book that says something like, uh, nobody loves you, but your mother. And she could be lying about it. Again, let's be, I did. That's BB King though. That's the great blues artist, BB King. I can't steal that. Well, I did steal it, but I gave him credit. (laughs) And it's true. You know, I mean, you know, nobody loves you but your mother, and she might be jiving too. You have to go into uh, a political campaign with that mantra constantly being, you know, repeating that mantra in your mind, because anything else is going to get you in trouble. Yeah. You know, it, it isn't about you; it's about the voters. And you know, my 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 all my favorite quote in the book, and this one I did come up with. And the reason it has to be all about the voters is because the average American voter has the attention span of an off-meds ADHD sixth grader coming down from a three-day sugar and video gaming binge. (laughs) So when you understand those two concepts, you're 50%, 60% on your way to winning. You know, I I mean, it, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, and, and an even bigger one though, and I'm sorry if I'm leaping in ahead of you, Dan, I, no. I, I love interviews, is, you know, um, my, my third favorite line is, you know, don't run if your spouse doesn't want you to run, particularly if that spouse is a wife. Right. Because it will be nightmarish if your spouse doesn't support you. Yeah, I'll shut I, up for a second. No, I actually did read that part of it. And I was, I was yeah. you, you did jump ahead of me because I was going to talk about that specifically. Well, so we could still talk. There's plenty to talk about. So don't worry. Yeah, well, it's uh, but the thing is, you know, it, 
it's one thing to think about yourself as a candidate and what you have to go through. You know, we're all willing to sort of sacrifice our own bodies for the cause, right? But we're really roping in the whole family with this as well. Even if they're not directly involved, they are going to be involved in it one way or another. And especially when the name calling starts and well, yes. people start digging skeletons out of the closet. I mean, uh, or making up skeletons. I mean, yeah, making exactly. up skeletons in the closet. Absolutely. And what? And it didn't. You know, it, it wasn't like this prior to social media. Uh, but now social media has allowed us to attack whomever, and oh, and it and it just gets totally out of hand. And ironically, I don't know what it is. I'd like to think I have a thick skin as a 15-year journalist, but most politicians don't. And it's amazing how they can so virulently react to, you know, the rabble being the rabble. Yeah, that, that actually, I would say perhaps five years ago, that would have surprised me to hear that. But uh, mm-hmm. since I've gotten into politics, and especially after watching um, the, the former guy, President Trump, who has uh, surprisingly thin skin, uh, he oh, takes everything yeah. very personally. But there are politicians out there. I love watching some of these guys. They just take all the arrows and it just doesn't get to them. You know, it, it, they, they can keep their mind focused on, on, on the goal. But um, more and more these days. They're I find rare, it, but yeah, they're, it, it's increasingly they're be- they're, rare, too. They're the best candidates by far. Absolutely. Oh, Barack Obama was a perfect example of that. Well, and that- he could just take it and they go low, we go high. And he did. And that's, um, but that's another question I had though. You, you, you talk about removing your ego from, uh, you know, from, from the, from the politics, removing your ego from the campaign itself, removing your ego from what people say to you. But I, doesn't it take a certain amount of ego to run for office to begin with? I mean, these guys have to have some idea of the Uh, big picture and, and their part in it. Right. And that's the oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. Actually it does. I mean, what you hope you get, and one of the very first things I write about in the book is what's your reason for running? You know, and, and I list the good reasons mm-hmm. <laughs> and the bad reasons. And the bad reasons are, eh, it's my turn. I've carried partied water. Ah, my wife wants me out of the house. Now, now, a guy in Louisiana did a hilarious commercial about that and it worked for him, but he made it humorous. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, my friends think I could win. I'd like to learn more about local government. You know, um, the, the best candidates start from, you know what, I want to give back to the community that's given so much to my family and I. And that gives you an idea of the folks who can suffer the slings and arrows. You know, I, I've had a great deal of experience on the any town city council. I think I'm ready for the county board. I think I can bring a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. So those are the folks who tend to not have to learn the hard way. Their, their ego is based in reality. It's based in successes. Mm-hmm. And so they think they can do it. But those folks who just think by virtue of running, I'm going to win, are usually in for uh, a, a massive disappointment. Yeah. Uh, my good friend, John Reeves, who's in the dedication to this book, said that when a candidate throws their hat in the ring, they lose immediately lose 30% of their brain cells. Yeah. I would say yeah. it's 60 And I think, Dan, it's kind of the lizard brain. It's the archetypal leader thing going back to our hunter-gatherer days. And it just kicks in. And unless you can control that, it it, it becomes a blood sport for for the majority of candidates. 
Well, that, that's uh, those some of those bad uh, decisions you're saying, or some of those bad reasons. I, one was sort of humorous to me. It says, "I want to learn about local government." It's it's almost like saying, "I want to learn about brain surgery by you know yeah. being a brain <laughs> yeah. surgeon." And, and by the way, a guy in the California runoff actually said that <laughs> uh, he did not win. But yeah, no, it's like uh, you know you you've got to have a good reason for running, or, or it's just going to be a miserable experience. Now, the the title of the book has the word local in it, and I started mm-hmm. thinking at first, well, what's the difference, right? So as I'm reading the book, I'm beginning to realize that the differences that take place in local versus national. So could you perhaps give us some words as to how local elections and local campaigns are run or how a campaign or how a candidate would campaign oh, oh. local versus a- national? Absolutely. And we'll start with, you know... Um, you, you noted before we went on the air that I was interviewed by Mark Lieberman. And he said, you know, all politics is local, which is a tried and true statement, but it's not true anymore, Dan. They, they're mm-hmm. not local anymore. And so, you know, one of the things that separates local from non-local is um, I've never, well, I better be careful as, as a journalist, I've met a lot of statewide and national candidates, but most of us have never had a presidential candidate knock on our door, state Senate, no. Uh-uh. You know, there are these, these this nebulous group out there and negative campaigning really works when it comes to those folks, whether you're running for a statewide office, uh, a, a national office like Congress or the Senate, you're running for president. It, um, that's when the us against them mentality really kicks in. But now let's come back to local and by local, and I'm going to use Illinois for this. And by the way, I did use, I consciously used Illinois as a basics basis for the book, mm-hmm. because if you can make it electorally in Illinois with all its onerous rules, you can make it anywhere. Okay. The Rust Belt states are similar, but not as onerous. So um, for my, my definition of a local election here in Illinois, we call them state senators and state reps. In some mm-hmm. states, they're assemblymen or other terms. Yeah. Um, so anything from that on down is technically a local race. And I almost always, you can, you know, county, uh, here we call them county chairman. Yeah. Uh, county, I, I, my latest successes were the Kane County Sheriff and the Kane County State's Attorney. Those are without a doubt local elections, and you have to approach them like local elections. And the funny thing is, negative campaigning does not work uh, on the local level because I've had they don't know I'm Jeff Ward and I'm a semi-public figure. Um, I've had state senators and state rep candidates knock on my door. I've had county candidates knock on my door, aldermen, mayoral, you name it. So we know each other. We know who these folks are and we expect more of them than this gaggling Congress that we really don't know. Uh, and a lot of candidates make the mistake of thinking, well, if negative work nationally, it's going to work locally. And it doesn't. Mm. Um, mm. Local elections. Also, there's no money in them. It's rare. You know, I just had a primary where we were outspent five to one. We won two to one, but it was a little terrifying because, you know, and COVID has really really put a damper on political fundraising at the local level. Yeah. So you really have to make up for it with uh, shoe leather and social media and other forms of getting out there. Whereas at the you know statewide and national levels, we all know that by the 10th commercial, we're ready for the election to end. Yeah, yeah. 
That's a good point. I, I, I like what you said about uh, negative politics don't work locally because you know, I'm living here in Missouri, just a little bit south of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm witnessing a lot of this taking place in the state representative and in, in the candidates for state representative and Senate. They are uh, they're going negative. And it's a I, mistake. Yeah, I um, you made me think about that now that that's uh that's pretty interesting. Another interesting thing, concept you brought out, which is somewhat related to this, you said uh, when you're out there, when you're out there cam- campaigning for office, mm-hmm. the people who will vote for you, ignore them. The people right. who won't vote for you, ignore them as well. And it's right. it's the gold is actually in the middle. And so how do you differentiate that when you're a candidate, when you're walking up to somebody's house? How do you know that that's well, where the by gold the way, is? Yeah, that is- you know, the funny thing is that is my biggest campaign secret oh. and I've consistently put it out there and nobody believes me. Mm-hmm. You know, the candidates that come to me or that I choose and that my success rate is a little inflated because I won't take on just any candidate. Mm-hmm. I can't really help them. I can't take their money, but that, that comes down to uh, voter data and how you interpret voter data. And you were dead on in the introduction when you explained how 20 years of writing databases for clients like the Township of Evanston up to Phillips Electronics uh, made me understand how to relate these things. So um, at, the, at the upper level, you have the Democrats and Vote Builder. Mm-hmm. The, the DNC's database is the best database of any kind I've ever seen anywhere. In 2012, Barack Obama won nine out of nine battleground states simply because of Vote Builder. That is an accomplishment that doesn't get nearly enough credit. And, and, and I rue the day that the Russians hacked Vote Builder. I mean, they got nothing, mm-hmm. but they really have tightened access to it. And I miss having that. But if you're a Democratic candidate, your local uh, county ch- uh, chairman, not the elected mm-hmm. chairman, the party chairman should give you access to Vote Builder. And if you get access to Vote Builder and you understand it even minimally, the electoral world is your oyster. The Republican database in Illinois, and those tend to be state by state, is not nearly as good, but you can still work with it. Um, But for most candidates at the local level, you can determine which voters are your voters by getting a spreadsheet of folks who voted in the last similar election Mm -hmm. from your local election authority. 90% of the time, that's the county clerk. So you can still make do with that data. The key is to understand who your voters are. And and we do cover that at length in the book. And then you have to target them effectively. Mm -hmm. Uh, And with me, that's the key to my success rate. Well, the the biggest key is good candidates. Right. Uh, But the second biggest thing is exactly what you said. You know, Willie Smith, I used to love Politically Incorrect with Bill Meyer in the 90s, mm-hmm. had a huge effect on me being a columnist. And Willie Smith, the then mayor of San Francisco, said, and I'm, I'm going to try, I'll keep my language nice, um, said, if you can't take their money and blank them, you shouldn't be in this game. Yeah. And that's just about it. Why don't, throughout the book, I say, don't preach to the choir. Yeah. So the people who are going to vote for you, if you're a Democratic candidate in Kane County, strong Republicans aren't going to vote for you. Right. 
strong Democrats are going to vote for you unless you get caught on the front lawn with a farm animal doing something you shouldn't be doing. Right. Uh, it's the it's the leaning people. It's the people that are willing to vote either way in the middle that you have to focus on get to get elected. How does it end up in the uh, just a technical question? How does that end up in Vote Builder database? though? because Vote Builder, Vote Builder wouldn't would that necessarily focuses just on Democrats or does that focus on Vote everybody? Builder is a Democrat. No, it, it doesn't because you, you need to know everything about everybody. Right. Like, again, I, if I'm if when I was running the, the sheriff's uh, candidate, I wanted to know who the strong Republican voters are, because, again, we wanted to ignore them. Let's mm-hmm. knock these people out right away. So it has to take that into consideration. But Vote Builder is a Democratic concept. Only Democratic candidates can use it as declared, and you can only, uh, and they only give you data for your race. Uh, So for example, if you're in Geneva, where I live, Geneva, Illinois, 46 miles west of Chicago, they're nonpartisan races. You're not gonna get vote builder. But if you move up a little bit to county clerk, Mm -hmm. well, that's a partisan race. If you're a democratic county clerk candidate, you will get access to vote builder, but that's it. But I, um, I, it is. I, I don't know how they did what they did. It's an amazing tool. Let's move on to paperwork because I know we talked about this before oh. the uh, before before yep. the podcast before we started recording. And um, I mean, a lot of people would think it's just you know filling out forms, but no, this no, no. this is precisely where campaigns can come to a premature and, and might I add in an oh. inglorious end. Uh, I mean, just one example: if your petition forms are not handled correctly or there's too many Donald Ducks on the petition form or something like that. Um, yep. The whole thing would just be thrown into the trash and will exactly. be, and it'll be challenged legally as well. And this is, this is uh, a vagary of the Rust Belt states, you know, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan. You know, if, if you're in the Southern states or in the Western states, you can typically get on the ballot by paying a fee and, you know, for all things holy pay the fee. Yeah, that's don't, a whole lot easier. Don't yeah. do it. But but yeah. in the Rust Belt states, it's almost become a blood sport to get your opponent kicked off the ballot. And particularly in Illinois, where those laws are the most absurd, um, it's to protect incumbents. Uh, right. Now, that said, the courts have finally gotten a bit fed up with it here in Illinois. And, uh, and ballot access is now the way judges will lean towards ballot access. For example, Dan, uh, I ran a corner, a county corner campaign in 2016, and our opponent put that his district was North Aurora. Essentially, by do on his nominating paperwork, mm-hmm. I better be more. You and I understand it. Uh, essentially, what he did was say I, I can only get signatures from voters in North Aurora, which would greatly limit him. Mm. Yeah, that's like a 20,000 person suburb. Uh, and you can only get, you know, that the voters have to be, I believe they have to be registered voters. Again, I'd have to look mm. it up in the book. Yeah. So that really, that kind of stupidity should have gotten them thrown off the ballot and it did not. But still in Illinois, if you fail to number your petition pages uh, consecutively, mm-hmm. you will lose the signatures after your first error. If you don't bind your petitions with the clip that is shown in my book, the specific clip, that will still get you thrown off the ballot. There's silly things though too that if if you're kind of don't 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 get it and you do stupid things that you really should be thrown off the ballot because how can you govern? I worked for the Kane County Clerk for a year and a half, which again, 
I couldn't have written this book without that experience. Mm-hmm. And we'd have people come in who didn't get a signal, signal, didn't get a single signature from within their district. Oh my gosh. Wow. And you, you know, come on, you, you've got to get the basics. The basics are you have to have people within your district, know your districts. There's a whole chapter on that yeah. uh, to, to get on the ballot. So some of it's kind of good, mm-hmm. but as I say in the book, and I've said on the radio show for years, spend the $200 to have an election attorney look over your paperwork and it will save you hours or weeks of a petition challenge where you have to defend it. It's just like a court hearing and you're not campaigning. You know, it takes away your time. So I I think I can't see Illinois going to it anytime soon, but I'm thinking there is a move to, to, to open ballot access in this country and hopefully nominating paperwork will become a thing of the past. I sure hope so. I, I've, I, as before we started recording, I talked about Teresa Amato, and she wrote this book mm-hmm. called Grand Illusion, The Myth of Voter Choice in a, in a Two-Party Tyranny. And she was the campaign manager for Ralph Nader uh, for 2000, mm-hmm. 2004. And her book is written in narrative style, of course, but um, it, it scared me the same way your book scared me in the sense that the amount of challenges that that Nader and his campaign would get from both Democrats and Republicans. They'd all throw their lawyers at this thing and try to get you kicked off of state ballots in the uh, the most ridiculous uh reasons as well. Well, what happened in Nader's case, and it happens in these cases, is one of the things I talk about in the book, and I'm sure you saw, is don't be a spoiler. Mm -hmm. If one party comes to you and says, hey, we really, hey, we think you're great. And we really want you to run for alderman, mm-hmm. treasurer, county treasurer. And I mean, and that's, a, whoa, the Republican Party in Kane County wants me to wants run. Wants me? Oh, that's yeah, cool. there goes your so ego, much, right? <laughs> sure. And then you say, well, well how much can you, can you uh, finance my campaign? What do you have to finance my campaign? And they go, oh, oh, oh we can provide you with names of donors. Yeah, yeah. When those two things go hand in hand, you are cannon fodder. Yeah. They are trying to get you to siphon votes away from another candidate. And that's what both parties feared Nader would do. And in the end, he actually did. Um, yeah. So that's why they were trying to get him off the ballot. It's still a blood sport, Dan. Trust me. It's yeah. easier to knock your opponent off the ballot than it is to campaign against them. Yeah. But that's working less and less. But if you're a spoiler or perceived to be a spoiler, oh, you will get challenged. And you're right. They just will throw spaghetti at the wall and hope something will stick. Yeah. And particularly at the lower levels in Illinois, you start with, like if you're running for township and some of these gigs pay $90,000 a year, you're running for township, you, you go to the township electoral mm-hmm. board, which is all the people already on the township. And if that fails, you know now you're going to the court system and you have to hire an attorney if you want to do it. Uh, so um, That's a yeah, lot of it, money. It, it could be... It could be nightmarish and it can dissuade candidates from running. But like I said, if you have an election attorney, look at it, or an experienced uh, candidate or public official who's run a number of times, they're going to catch the problems right away. Oh, that that's good advice there. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, people should really read your book cover to cover it because in this particular case, yep. people look at the at the chapter on paperwork and say, ah, let's skip that chapter, right? 
but uh, I think serious candidates should read it cover to cover to get everything. It, it, Some things may not apply, but you won't know they don't apply yeah. until you read if it. If you're in California or Louisiana, you can skip it because in mm. California, you don't have to get signatures. In Louisiana, you can choose to pay a fee instead of getting signatures. Oh, pay the fee. And if you yeah. can't afford the fee, they'll they'll waive it. Oh, wow. So, uh, so in those, but when you're talking about the northern states where you and I reside, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you really have to understand it. Yeah. You know, and you think, well, t- I'll go to my county clerk. They'll explain the whole thing. If you go to my county clerk, he's got a sign up right there by the desk saying, advice provided by this office is not to be considered legal advice. Yeah. If you have yeah. any doubt, consult an election attorney. And that's the office that makes the rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that, they're just covering their own butts there in that situation, aren't they? Well, they get it wrong more often than you think, too. Oh, oh really? So, yeah, <laughs> if there's too many rules to remember, Dan, too many rules. Oh, but you're gosh. right about the book. It's like having a campaign manager, and I'd say in your back pocket, but the book won't fit in your back pocket. Yeah, yeah. Well, you put it on an electronic format if, because it is, on, is true. it is on Kindle, I think, isn't it, too? Yeah, we've got, we've got three formats. The full-color book mm-hmm. printed uh, is $100, no, $99.95 on Amazon. The black and white, the monochrome book, forty nine ninety five, and of course the ebook, such a deal at twenty nine ninety five. I mean, yeah. this is now I understand, by the way, why textbooks cost so much. It's oh, yeah. a bear to print color books. Oh yeah, and yeah. and this is a four hundred ten page color book. So, but it's but it is it's the textbook of winning an election. Yeah. Good. So uh, let's move on to um, kicking off the campaign. Um, you know, mm-hmm. candidates, as we talked about earlier, need to engage with voters. And so from your experience of typical candidates, what sort of what sort of typical encounters or difficulties do they encounter at this stage? You know, when you're when you're kicking things off, for example, um, they need to gather a team of like campaign manager, financial expert, a fundraiser, volunteer coordinator. I mean, this is like this is now suddenly a full time job where you have to manage this team. Uh-huh. It, it- um, yeah, yeah, even for the lowest water reclamation district office, which we have those things here in uh, wow. Illinois. But yeah, I mean, the first thing is, you know, you got you to set the ego aside. You got to get over the rush of getting on the ballot. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, you, unless it's a really, if you're running for alderman in the city of Geneva and you need 30 signatures here in Illinois, get 60, put right. your name on the ballot and start walking. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need a, a, a team for that. You'll, you'll need, you, it's best to get a treasurer. You know, even if it's your wife or a friend, because if you do make a silly campaign finance mistake, then the treasurer can come forward and say, I blew it. But that's about it. But for any office above that, you know, medium city council, mm-hmm. even mayor, yeah, you need to start assembling a team of volunteers, which is no small task. You need to start fundraising, which particularly in the COVID era is a, an even more oh, difficult really task. Difficult, yeah. You need to have somebody run social media and run it effectively. Social media was always an ancillary thing, but again, Dan, COVID has made yeah. it much more important. You know, say what you will about Miss Ocasio-Cortez, but she won an election. Yeah. Uh, but mind you, in a very urban democratic district right? Uh, with social media. So yeah, and, and there's an entire, I don't know if it's sub long subsection Mm-hmm. Or perhaps a chapter, I can't remember, on dealing with volunteers because, and I know each separate kind of volunteer, uh, you know, the grandma who licks envelopes, that's your best bet. <laughs> the one who just wants a title, that's your worst bet. 
And, and how do you manage people who are, have come on your campaign, they're not taking any money, and now they're going off on social media and trying to set your message for you? Yeah, yeah, when you tell yeah. them to shut up, they quit. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. That's so you really can't pay anybody because I mean, all the fundraising uh, has to be reserved for things like yard signs and mailers Absolutely. and things like that. It's, yeah. it's you know, when you get to the countywide level, when you get to decent candidates, people can pay me, mm-hmm. but it's still you know, I mean, I've had to sue candidates to get paid, and and mm-hmm. and I'm still friends with one of them, with one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, to some degree, it's a young man's game for this. Uh, that this thing has become. But yeah, I mean, there. I, I was on a podcast where they said, Michael Blumberg is putting all sorts of money into local elections. And I'm like, well, oh boy, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I just ran yeah. two countywide Democrats and- Didn't see any of that, huh? I mean, no, not, yeah. a, not a bit. They really had to, you know, go hat in hand to large donors and get money. Yeah. Well, how about things like, uh, and I've done some of this. Uh, in 2018, I was actually knocking on doors for the Democratic Party. Um, uh-huh. And at that time, which was really interesting, I got to actually meet Claire McCaskill a couple of times doing that. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was, now she would actually make herself very accessible. I was really impressed with that. She would go around to all the campaign headquarters and she'd pre-announce it like you know, two or three days in advance. So I'd just go there to meet her. Um, yeah. And she was really, Smart move. yeah, very graceful. Mm-hmm. She, you know, I, I got to spend one-on-one time with her. But um, let's go back to like things like door knocking um, and mailers and yard signs. I, I always look at these things as being like, yeah, yeah, whatever, door door knockers, whatever. But I, nope. I tend to undervalue it. But then I read your book and I'm like, this is probably they're, the most important thing you can do. They're the only things that win elections. Mm-hmm. Throughout the book, I say there's a there's a thousand ways to lose an election. There's only one way to win it, and that's connecting with voters. Mm-hmm. And th- without a doubt, the best way to connect with voters is door knocking. Mm-hmm. Here's a perfect example. In my, uh, you know, the, the, Jamie Musser is the Kane County State's Attorney, and um, her opponent um, is of uh, Asian Indian descent. And he was really smart. He went to about 60 Indian doctors Hmm. for fundraising. And he got $1,000 from each. Wow. Never seen anything like it. So we, in the end, we were outspent campaign-wise, $50,000 to $10,000. So I've never lost a primary uh, because it's so easy to identify primary voters. Mm -hmm. Not as easy to identify general election voters. But... Jamie knocked on all 12,500 identified Democratic primary doors. Wow. We beat our opponent by two to one. Wow. She did so over a course of eight months. Yeah. You know, and so that shows you what shoe leather can do. We knocked on the right doors, not the people that would vote for us, not the people that wouldn't vote for us. And she cleaned the clock. We, I guess I should say, of the other candidate. By the way, he didn't knock on a single door. He paid people to knock on doors because he could afford to do it and he had a busy jet full-time job. But you know, if the people don't get a chance to meet you, you know, you mentioned that they're not gonna vote for you. They wanna vote for the person they'd most like to have a beer with, particularly locally. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, door knocker, uh, door hangers go. Again, the goal with a door hanger or a mailer, and mailers are more expensive, but they do work is to get the voter 
and the correct voter, the, the correctly targeted voter, to see your name and perhaps the office in the 15 seconds it takes to walk from the mailbox mm. to the mm -hmm. recycling bin. No. That's your goal. But it's still, <clears throat> it's an internet hit, for lack of a better term. And signs. Signs are simply the uh, a, a, a sign, sorry mm -hmm. about that, of a well-run campaign. Yeah. And signs are typically only effective if they're on a voter's front lawn. And you, you may have noted, Dan, particularly these days, that humans harbor uh, a horde mentality. Yeah, yeah. So if there's a sign on my neighbor's lawn for a certain candidate, another neighbor goes, you know what? If Jim's going to vote for her, I've always liked Jim. Yeah. I'll probably vote for her. That's their version of due diligence, but it works. Yeah. You know, neutral locations, busy corners. It's good to get your name out there. Uh, vacant lots, they don't work as well. But the, you just hit the three things that get you elected. And they're the only three things. Number one is door knocking. Number two is mailers or door hangers. And number three is signs. That, you know, on the local level, do those three things right. And unless you're in a district that mm -hmm. you can't possibly win or you're running against a candidate you can't possibly beat, you will win. That's interesting that you say that uh, you had a candidate that knocked on 12,000 doors. Um, you know, mm -hmm. in my door knocking experience, I only hit 500 doors. And I'd have to say a majority of those were people that weren't home. So I just left the hanger on their door. And yeah, it was... But, but that still matters that you knocked on their door. And if you put yeah. a sticky note on there, pre-printed, hey, sorry, I missed you. Call me at this number if you have any questions. It's almost as effective. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it was very tiring work for me. In fact, you talked about shoe leather, oh. just sort of a humorous uh, note right here. I live in a section of uh, Missouri just south of St. Louis, very hilly here. Um, oh, that's I, right. got I think a, I, I, got said, a bike. I put you in New Jersey. Okay, Missouri. Oh, I'll remember Missouri, that. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, oh, <laughs> kidding. Kidding. but, um, yeah, I, I just knocked on 500 doors and that took several weekends, you know, probably about mm -hmm. three to four hours per weekend. Right. And most of the time it was not even talking to anybody. Now I got a few people that would talk to me. I made the mistake of chatting with them, right? Yeah. You know, just a friend, have a yeah, friendly chat. Oh boy. Yeah. It. yeah it, it was, um, but some people don't want to let you go. <laughs> so, no, you have to you have to understand the conversational artist saying, look, please call me if you have any questions. I've really enjoyed this, but I have my goal is to get to X many doors today. So I hope you understand why I have to move on. And I and, and I break down actually in this book, and so you want to win a local election. I break down the times. I show you what it's like. The best you're gonna do is three minutes a door. Yeah. You know, less if they're not home. And, and you've got to keep doing that if you if you want to hit your goals. The best candidates can get to 60 doors in an hour. Wow. You know, and and the and the worst get to 20. And yeah. that's not enough. I mean, Ron Hain, our sheriff, um, he hit now he was on workman's comp because during an eviction, a pit bull decided to take a huge chunk out of his foot. Ow. Yeah. Uh, but he got on his knee scooter. And Ron hit 20,000 doors in the course of a year, Whoa. personally. Whoa. And he tried, he's the, you know, it's, he, he's a rare Democratic sheriff here in King County. He's the only the second one. So that made a huge difference. Yeah. But if you have a full-time, now, if you're running for alderman, you can do it on weekends because the districts are smaller. School board, eh, 
Nope, it's typically the entire city. Yeah. And that could be three to 6,000 doors in a city like Geneva or, or a wow. suburb of St. Louis. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, 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 you know, that's the thing. It's a lot of uh, time and effort to run a campaign. And that's a great part of the reason I wrote the book, to spend all that time and then lose for one or two silly mistakes. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Well, one of my problems was a lot of these uh, doors that I knocked on were in semi-rural areas. So I quickly oh, yeah. figured out I got to get on my bike. Because they would give me an address, uh, and even in even in suburban areas, uh, I wouldn't hit every house, right? I would only hit like right, maybe no. a street of fifty houses if, that maybe if, had ten of them. So, on my, I had to use my yeah, bike because no, no. these houses are probably you know, hundred hundred yards apart from each other. Absolutely, yeah. you know, especially in primaries where not many people vote, even in the urban sections of Kane County, we're half urban and half rural. And yeah, you you know you, the, some of the houses can be few and far between. Part you know, and you and you know and the reason you experience that Dan is because the voter list you were using was probably a very good one. Yeah, yeah, that was another mistake I made too because I wasn't really appreciative of that voter list. I would make notes on it once in a while, but I thought to myself mm -hmm. after after the whole thing was done, I thought you know I should have made a note on every single house that I knocked on. I mean, I would just yep. put a check mark next to it to say that I knocked on it, but I should make some sort of comment too. So, um, well, I did, actually come to think of it, I did say when they weren't home. But anyways, uh, moving on here, um, we talked about social media, but how about things like radio and TV and op-eds, you know, attending barbecues, town halls and things like that? What um, are uh, those? You're preaching. Uh, they're not effective at the local level, mm -hmm. um, especially commercials. I mean, it, it's... You know, for example, um, I one of the favorite tactics of local candidates is to stand at the Geneva train station. Eh, it works if you're thanking voters. It doesn't work if you're trying to get voters because, the, you know, you're going to get people from Batavia, uh, hmm. West Chicago. El I mean, well, not the Albert as much anymore. They have their own. But the thing is, you have there's no guarantee that the people at the train station are if they're in your district are registered voters. Yeah. So it's not a lot of bang for your buck. Um, the local post office, you're a lot better off. But that's the first problem. Um, you know, those, uh, town halls, debates, the same 50 people, if yeah, you get that many, one, yeah. are going to show up and they've already made up their minds based on party. It's yeah. rare. You, know, you can blow it at a debate or a town hall by saying something stupid, but you're not going to get any more votes by saying something smart. Um you know, I mean, you, you should go to those things as a candidate, particularly hyper-locally, alderman, mayor, et cetera, because uh, if you're not there, your opponent can use that against you. Um, and the same thing with debates, but those things don't win an election, not nearly. And TV commercials, social media, in, in particularly in the COVID era, has become far more effective in that regard than a TV commercial. I have seen countywide candidates do it, Hmm. Typically, that's the candidate that loses because they should have spent that money on a mailer. Oh, okay. So, just I, I want to circle back a little bit too to kind of sure. combine this this discussion with petitions. How do you get petitions then? I mean, you obviously have to make sure that the the people that are, if you have to get petitions, you have to gather petitions to get on the ballot. How do you make sure that the people that you're uh, whose signature you're collecting is actually a qualified person in your district. You go to your local election authority, which is likely mm -hmm. your county clerk. You get a list of people who voted in that in the last 
similar election. Mm -hmm. Here in Illinois, you're, I think you're similar in Missouri. We have even year elections, which are countywide, statewide, and national. And then we have consolidated elections in the odd years, which are city councils, mayoral, school boards, et cetera. So you wanna get a list of the people that voted in those elections. It just makes life a lot easier and you wanna hit those doors. I, I, again, I'm not sure. I believe it takes registered voters on most, in most cases. In Illinois, though, the person circulating the petitions doesn't even have to live in Illinois. They don't hmm. have to be a registered voter. That's different in other states. Yeah, got to yeah. check. I, I read about but, that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you just want to get a, you know, you read the rules as to who can sign a petition. Thankfully, Dan, that's usually straightforward. And then you get the associated list from your election authority. They'll sort it by precinct. Within the precinct, they'll sort it by street. And you simply walk down the street with your list and get signatures. And by the way, good candidates understand that getting a signature is a great opportunity to meet a voter. Yeah, exactly. That's a yeah. voter impression. So Two you know, birds with one stone. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Voter data is critical. Usually you have to pay a little bit for it, but in local elections, not all that much. Yeah. Well, it's definitely worth it rather than just walking down a random street and <laughs> meeting random people, not knowing. Well, can there, I tell right? you a funny story about that? Sure. All right. Um, uh, my, one of my, we had him on the radio show. One of my favorite candidates was Kyle Seifert. Uh, he was an Aurora police detective. Aurora is Illinois' second largest city. And he was running for city council in Elgin, Illinois' seventh largest city. They're both in Kane County. And we, Larry and I love, my co-host loved Kyle. He was, I'm not, I'm not putting up any signs. I'm not getting donations and I'm going to knock on every door, regardless of whether they're voters or not. I am going to create a groundswell and I am going to win. And Larry and I loved it. You know, I, you know, I said, when I said to Cal, you know, and, and I was brutal, brutally honest in the book, I was brutally honest on the show, not nasty, but I said to Cal, well, you know, what we call idealist Kyle losers. <laughs> and he laughed and we had a good time. Kyle came in dead last, 11th place with 7% of the vote. Oh. You have got to target your voters. Yeah. Got to. Wow. He needed to read that book, didn't he? I hadn't he was... written it at that point, sadly. Oh, so that's, um, well, that was, I was going to ask that. In fact, that was the very first question I was going to ask you was, uh, you know, what inspired you to write this book? Well, I, I well, first, I was writing a, a, a compendium of all my columns when I, um, from mm -hmm. the, the Sun-Times uh, suburban paper era. The Tribune owns those papers now. Uh, uh, and I was doing that. And a good friend of mine, the director of the uh, Elgin YWCA said, no, 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 that's your third book. Your first book has to be on winning a local election. And, mm -hmm. and by the way, this has happened twice now with the second book I'm writing. And I was like, why yeah. didn't I think of that? So A, I had all this knowledge and, and putting it in book form so even I could refer to it yeah. was an amazing adventure. B, I got, you know, it, it, what did Yates say? It seems like, you know, in his poem, spiraling towards Bethlehem, the good are aimless and the worst are full of all, uh, are, are full of vim and vigor. I really paraphrase that badly. But the best candidates seem to make the worst mistakes, hmm. whereas the idiots seem to get it right more often than not. <laughs> So, so I wrote the book and, 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 uh, and, you know, tertiary, a tertiary thing was to, to get more business, you know, more campaign business, which it has done. 
not a lot, but some. Mm-hmm. So that and and um, I, I was making the transition from working for the county clerk's office to what I want to be when I grow up, which I still do to some degree. And the book was was, was a great thing to do in the middle. It was a great experience to actually write a book. It should have been out a year early, self-publishing. Uh, I relied on the wrong people when mm. I got rid of them and hired my own people directly. In other words, uh, a a person for the ebook, a person for the print book, a person for this. Not only was it less money, but um, it actually occurred a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the problem with this book was these folks that do your book from start to finish could not handle an outline format. It doesn't fit their thing. But um, You know, and it is kind of fun to say you're a, you're a published author, even if you're self-published. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you started off the book um, in, in for similar reasons that I uh, I have a whole shelf of these books I'm showing you right here, which are my mm-hmm. log books. I'm, I'm still working in high tech. I write down every single day the stuff that I learn and the stuff that I do because um, I forget it. And um, I can see yep. that you can... That, that it's very useful for you as well, because there is so much information packed into this. I imagine the process of writing probably brought out a lot of these memories, but now you have your own reference book, basically, and you're sharing it with I the do, world. I do, I do. And thank God, you know, Ken Menzel, he wrote the, he was the um, lead counsel for the Illinois State Board of Elections at the time I was writing. He wrote the foreword for the book. Uh, and without him, again, this book doesn't happen because Ken is one of the few people that not only knows all of the Illinois regulations, he's never forgotten any of them. Hmm. So I could call Ken and I still, he's, he, he has retired. I still call him sometimes to say, yikes, I can't remember this, you know, what, what triggers a primary in a local election? You know, the hmm. formula is kind of wacky. So I'll still have to call Ken, even writing the book. Yeah. I can't make my brain remember everything, so I um, I definitely no. rely on books, and and that's what makes again I go back to this. What makes your book so beautiful is that you have actually written it in outline format. That I might remember something. Hey, you know, Jeff Ward said something about this, and and I can just find it right there. I mean, the table of contents you, is what about six or seven pages long itself. <laughs> so, but you can it find is, everything but you want the, in but, there. But the chapters are clear. Why yeah, are you running? Yeah. Kicking off the campaign, fundraising, social media gratitude, you know, uh, paperwork, yeah. you know, mailers. Uh, the, the, by the way, the, the mailers and signs are some of my favorite chapters because I include some just horrible, horrific examples of what not to do. Oh. So that that alone is worth the price of admission that, you know, oh my God, don't do this. And sometimes it's something so simple, mm-hmm. you know, Romney and Ryan, they're signing, do not, if you live in a Northern state or a state that gets snow, do not use a sign with a white background because when it snows, you can't see it. Nobody can read it. And of course, what do the northern states do? They make you campaign in the dead of winter, so it, you know, yeah, it's it, gonna be it, snow. It, it's a it's a disincentive. So Romney and Ryan, it's small Romney and Ryan in the middle, surrounded by this white, and it just washed out, and. and Barack Obama made the same mistake, but, and I have it in the book, I have an example of what his sign was, and then they went, "Uh uh-oh, and they quickly changed it to a blue background with white lettering, that doesn't get washed out in the snow. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a fun, fun example. And I, I, I mean, 
you know, and, and the funny thing is Jack Cunningham, the Kane County clerk, he still is. He's the one I work for. He keeps making that same white background mistake, but thankfully at this point, Jack can't lose. He's done it too well. And by the way, can I bring that up? Can I bring up sure. my favorite George Pradle story? Oh, absolutely. You know, Please do. You know, the, yeah. the other thing is don't run against a candidate you can't beat. And mm. that's far more true at the local level than it is at the national level. And, and, and I'm not that, you know, arrogant candidates can always be beat. But George Pradle, mayor of Naperville, Illinois. I think Naperville is the fourth largest Illinois city. It's one of the most dynamic. Um, young people are attracted to it. Uh, in any event, George Pradle was mayor of, God rest his soul, was mayor of Naperville for 20 years. And he, all sorts of people, considering the high profile nature of that gig, he drew all sorts of challengers and he just chewed them up and spit them out. Mm -hmm. He couldn't be, he had people spending, you know, almost six figures for a mayoral seat that I don't know what it pays, but I don't think uh, Naperville is a strong form of government. So I don't think it's like Aurora where it pays $150,000. But here's the thing. George Pradle was a former police officer and he was officer friendly. And all those kids who stayed in Naperville, and it's a great city that that, that, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing happens remember George from visiting their grade school classes. Oh, yeah. And there was nothing you could do to overcome that deficit. Not only that, but George would talk to you in the grocery store. He'd wave to you from the car. I don't know about you. You look like you might be a runner, Dan. I mean, we can see each other. And uh, I, the last 5K I did before some injuries was in Naperville, Illinois. And as they were passing out the, 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 the awards, and uh, for some strange reason, I took third place in my age group. Um, George saw, thank you. George saw it, pulls the car over, grabs the awards for the presenter. And my award was presented by the mayor of Naperville, uh, uh, George Pradle. He could not be beaten. There was no point in running against George. Don't waste your time and money against an unbeatable candidate. Sorry, that was too long, but it's one of my favorite examples. It's in the book. Yeah, that's actually really good advice because, you know, I have I could look at like my own uh, local area here and uh, I live in Jefferson County, which is just south of mm-hmm. St. Louis. And I thought, wow, I wonder if I ran for a county seat. But, you know, the thing is, I actually like the county council person that's been there. She's been there forever. And if you like them, exactly. Yeah, I don't want to run against her. You know, no, yeah, so, and, you, yeah. and if, she's, if, the, if she's been there forever, you yeah. can't beat her. You're not going to beat. Yeah. You got yeah. to wait or you got to find something else to run for or you got to move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Moving is another option. That's a very Mm -hmm. expensive option just for a job. But I guess if it's part of what you want to do, then that's what you got to do. Um, We're going to have to wrap this up here. Um, Is there any last bit of word of advice you'd like to impart to our our people, to our listeners? I, I would say knocking on doors is the only things that wins elections. And people just don't get it. They think a grand gesture will win it. No, a grand gesture can lose it. Yeah. If you do something really dumb. But the only thing that wins elections is a well-run campaign focused around knocking on doors. Okay. And that's it. And again, if you can, I, again, so you want to win a local election, as you've said, Dan, is covers the entire process, nuts to bolts in an outline format. It's available on Amazon at three different price levels from $99 to for the color book down to $29.95 for the uh, electronic. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it's like having a campaign manager in your Kindle back pocket or on your shelf. And, you know, (laughs) I'm proud of what I've accomplished. And if I can get, you know, a good candidate elected, it was well worth having written it. I also want to thank you for having me on because this oh. has been a blast. Oh, I love this. You know, this, this had a really good conversation here. And and if you want me back to talk about this more at some point, I'm your man. Oh, absolutely. I just want to mention one last thing too. You do have a website. Uh, do you oh, want that's to provide right. that one as well? I have a number of them. Thank you. First, if you want to read what I've, what, you know, my general writings, the ones that tend to get me in trouble, uh, www.thefirstward.net, all spelled out. W-A-R-D, uh, it, you know, not, yeah. not Ward. Yeah. T- yeah, the first word, it's a play on my last yeah. name on that. I write two columns a week, still, every every week. As soon as you and I are done, I'll finish uh, tomorrow's. Uh, I Winalocalelection.com is the book. Forward.com.me uh, is my campaign business. Uh, so thank you for mentioning that. I sometimes forget that. Uh, no, I want to make sure know, people and, can follow And up. hopefully yeah. I'll start podcasting again soon, but too many irons in the fire, sir. Yeah, I know that feeling. I'm sure you do. We've been talking with Jeff Ward, opinion columnist, blogger, radio show host, campaign manager, and author of the book, So You Want to Win a Local Election. Jeff, thank you again for dropping by today and enlightening us with your expertise. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its true principles of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any suggestions for stories and or people you think we should cover at Democracy on the Move, please contact us through our website contact page at democracyonthemove.org contact or send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org. By the way, Democracy on the Move is all one word. You can also comment on our Twitter page at All on the Move. If you find today's podcast interesting and informative, please tell your friends and family about us. And if you'd like to help sponsor the podcast at Democracy on the Move, please contact us through the website or email. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead, and we hope you'll tune in to our next episode.